Hello, and welcome to the final episode of Bab Pod Die, a Babylon Project miniseries about the comic book die, where we tumble through feelings about RPGs and some terrible British nerds. I'll be your Game Master Justin, and joining me are my two players, Jude Nana. Jude, Anna? How are we feeling about the finale? Finale question I've got, mark? got some emotions. I have been genuinely delighted by this series, and I'm... Mm-hmm. It's a bittersweet ending. Uh, yeah. I wish there was more so I could learn more about this world. Uh, I've been holding off on digging into the RPG book uh, until after we finish reading the whole series in the hope mm-hmm. that there's like more lore in the RPG book. But I really, really loved this series. And uh, it, it, I, I'm in, I've really enjoyed talking about it. And it was much more than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, that you know, it's been it's been a hot minute since I've read any comics, graphic novels, etc. Um, and it was really nice. It's been really nice getting back into it as a like art form and having having the structure of like dividing it up with the recordings and everything. I really yeah. like that because I I generally have a tendency to like plow through comics like really mm-hmm. fast and then be like, okay, now what? It's been really nice because it's kind of forced me to stretch it out a bit and like, you know, contemplate on the issues more than I have a ten- tendency to with the medium. Yeah, I think that like their their comics, I think, are like, you know, a really t- they're especially in modern comics, um, like they tend to be a little a little bit breezy reads like there's I I mean, Die is a very wordy uh, series. But yeah. it is nothing compared to like old Claremont. Yeah. Where, well, there's like, a lot have, of words, but is it saying a lot? I mean, I think I think that Pete Claremont is some of the like the densest like some of the densest comics you'll get there, especially with like how much Tom Orzachowski is like working. That's fair. Yeah. yeah and like th- th- those like it's incredibly dense. Like there's so much that happens in an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like a modern comic, like especially a modern like superhero comic. Yeah. But uh, like this is a re- like a relatively dense one and I think it's like when I I I read it as it came out and like it was always it was always the one it was coming out at the same time as the original Dawn of X stuff as well as Immortal Hulk. Um which Immortal, like, there there were a couple of months where, if I remember right, like, Die and Immortal Hulk come out came out on the same week, which oh, would, wow. like, like, Immortal Hulk is one of those, it's one of those seminal works, where it's, mm-hmm. like, Die and Immortal Hulk would take me, like, two hours to get through both of these, because they'd be so dense, and I'd, like, I'd have to end up looking up stuff on Wikipedia for Hulk, uh, which is bizarre. Um, but, yeah, yeah. it's... When I say that Die is like one of my favorite pieces of like fiction of the la- of like the last ten years, <laughs> yeah. And in terms of in terms of like amount, I've enjoyed a you know comic. In terms of art, story, etc., I would put this on par with Sandman for me personally. Um, that you know, yeah the the art is really good. The the storytelling and the world building are both excellent hmm. um i wish we i wish we had you know, i wish we had way more issues of this because i would love to stay in this world for longer i'll i'll speak a blasphemy and say that i never connected with uh sandman i for all my goth phase i sandman and me never like got on the way it did with some people interesting just i think it just, yeah. it just missed that phase with me like i just didn't pick it up at the right time um, but I will say that, uh, this certainly gets shelved next to, uh, all of my precious X-Men comics. So it's got that going for it. Okay. Yeah, it is. I, I, I think I've, I think I've said before, but I have like, I have four omnibuses on my shelf. Three of them are right here at Gillette and die is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> How many are of those four are X-Men? Uh, one only actually, uh, it's Tass of X powers of 10. Yeah, no, no uh, oh, sorry, though, no, there's one other. There is, I, I have uh, Mutant Massacre. You don't have the, um, Hoxpox? 
No, I, I have Hoxbox. That's like that's my that's my. It's House of X and Powers of Ten as an omnibus and Mutant Massacre. Oh, you called it House. Uh, you called it House of X and Powers of Powers of Ten, not Powers of X. I got you. Yeah, I know it's called Powers. That's of the 10. joke. Is it's Powers of Ten? Yeah, yeah. Powers yeah, yeah. of X Ten. I always call it Hoxpox, so I didn't catch when yeah. you called it something else. <laughs> yeah, it's like X of Swords is Ten of Swords. Yeah. Uh, I, as as a, as an aside note, uh, since we're talking about comics and the X Men, I will just say that uh, the Krakoa era of X Men is fantastic. If you want some other Kieran Gillen written comics, his work on Immortal X Men is fantastic, and his yep. uh, he headed the event uh, Avengers X Men Eternals Judgment Day, which is a book that is or which which was an, a crossover event that was stunningly better than it had any right yeah to be. I, that is exactly what i, I was I'm gonna not say saying that with karen in the room because like, crossovers are so dumb but it was very good um but this was not an x-men podcast um <laughs> you guys really should just do an x-men podcast no I, absolutely I, not we, we couldn't subject aaron to that well, Okay, we're raining the sun. We are co- we are covering issues nineteen and twenty, the last two issues of Dynamite. Uh, they are boss fight and open table. Uh, they're written by Karen Gillan, art by Stephanie Hans, later uh, letters by Clayton Cowell. Let's start with issue nineteen. Uh, boss fight. Um, our quote from this is from Jorge Luis Bor- Borges. We are as ignorant of the meaning of the dragon as we are the meaning of the universe, but there is something in the dragon's image that appeals to the human imagination, and so we find the dragon in quite distinct places and times. It is, so to speak, a necessary monster. Tolkien would have loved that quote. At the heart of Die, Ash is confronted by a towering, flaming version of herself. It's everything she loves, hates, everything she keeps inside her. It makes a simple offer to come back with her to Earth, calling Ash little man. It says it will be free to wreak havoc. Uh, Matt lunges at the Ash Rog, but it gives Matt an order. Love me without limit. Ash counteracts the command from its voice, but Matt collapses hurt. To save him, Izzy makes a deal with the mourner. Saving Matt means that no gods will hear Isabel's pleas for the rest of their time and die. Oof. Yeah, which basically nerfs her entirely. Oh, yeah. Ash doesn't want to see anyone else hurt and considers the fiery Ash's offer. To help her to help get her to open up, Izzy shares the story of her last group in France, of how she spent time and effort on making a character, becoming excited for the game, before being uninvited for being a girl. Ash opens up, worrying that her feelings, her queerness, is all an illusion. She explains that she doesn't like living as a man. She just sees her identity as more liquid. Izzy recognizes that as something like gender fluidity. Chuck says some queer phobic shit and everyone tells him to fuck off. Ash worries that opening up to that queerness will open up to all the other bad impulses she has on die and that it was safer to lock it all away. Souls says that this game was always to help Ash find herself, that he wanted to make a game for her to be safe in and discover. Ash steals herself and says she'll give away she'll give the figure everything it is. She says that she's done with being ashamed and keeping everything locked away because that is her. As the figure merges with her, she commands that she will not hurt anyone for these feelings, and she dry, she drags the Ashrog off the bridge, plummeting into the abyss. The group doesn't have much time to mourn, and Angela makes one more sacrifice to the group, bringing back her dog that to have them lead it to the center. But it requires more fair gold and there's only one fallen to get it from. Angela protests they can't kill Molly, but at the distraction, Chuck kills Molly to get the gold. Chuck apologizes, but they have the gold now. Case is able to plot her out to the center. As they travel, Molly comes back, and Isabel talks with Saul, who speaks about the time that they were gone, how he was playing a role in living a half-life. Matt's sword taunts him. It makes a mistake and slips up, revealing that Ash is still alive. Matt rushes down, and remembering that depression is a fucking liar, finds a lake. In that lake, Ash destroys the the Ashrog and comes out, all dressed in white, because 
We know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> she destroys soul bi- soul's bindings and embraces him. Case finds their destination, and as they reach it, they see the fair, who had made one last attempt with the master to stop Die from gaining conscious. However, that has failed, and they are confronted by Die, who asks, What am I for? I have one frustration with this otherwise tremendous issue. Yes. I still don't know what the fuck the fair are. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. My... I feel like they're video games. I feel like they're I feel like they're Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights and Icewind Dale. Maybe I don't know. I like that. But I I it it annoys me that they're so different and weird and they have this weird role and we don't know what they are. And they seem to be like connected with what's his dingus? wells but we don't know how maybe but and they have this weird role with time but i don't know i just and and causality is pretty fucked up in this universe yeah too. i mean causality yes. is basically a handful of wet spaghetti uh so yeah it, it, like t- the timeline is more like a hand like it, it's two hands linking together more than a line yeah otherwise this episode fucks I remember the first time reading this. And so, yeah, okay. So this, I had been out as non-binary for a bit when this issue came out. But Jesus Christ, was it a fucking sledgehammer? Yeah, I can see that. I am in so many ways, it's just like the the internal rationalizations as a queer person you have when you're in the closet is that can turn into self-loathing that I'm keeping this part of me inside, but I'm also keeping like I'm keeping bad impulse inside. Well, obviously this part of my identity that I want to embrace is obviously linked to the bad things is just like such a, like so fucking real of, and I love Angela there being the person who, like, you know, the queer sibling who is there able to help. And, like, like we don't have the exact same experience, but we have similar experiences and I can offer what I can. Yeah. Which I've had conversations like this with my sister. And, gosh, wow, no, I mean, I... I no, it's not like Ash is like an like a character I incredibly relate to. I say staring <laughs> deadpan to the camera. <laughs> yeah, the I I also resonated with the Angela's thing of like one will never be queer enough. You can never yeah. be queer enough because that's something that I feel very much as you know somebody who identifies as bi and is married to a dude um, who I've been with for closing in on 20 years you know your your entire Uh, adult life you know yeah yeah you know like literally my entire adult life and it's like you know it's my connection to the community sometimes feels extremely tenuous and Mm. like you know like i don't belong and and i can really empath you empath you empathize with both of them here It's not like I don't mind living as a man, mostly. It's not torment. It's not a negative desire. I just wish I was something else sometimes. A moment in most days. Sometimes it lingers, sometimes it doesn't. In my fantasies, I may not always be a girl, but I'm never me. I'm always someone else. Which is... I mean, God, that's just role-playing games. That That yeah. is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it, it is the most... God, yeah, no, I, Ash in this issue. I feel like maybe one of the saddest things from all of this, too, is that, you know, I feel like between, you know, between when they got out of die the first time and when they got dragged back in, I'm fairly certain that all of them were just deeply traumatized by the concept of role playing games, basically. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it's really sad that, like, Ash wouldn't have 
you know, been able to engage with that particular like outlet for exploring identity, et cetera. Yeah. yeah Ash probably didn't play a lot of masks over the, over yeah. the years or, yeah. or any of the other games that are a little more embracing of that kind of exploration. Growing up, Ash is like, is growing up in a period of English history that is incredibly queer phobic. Yeah. I mean, England's not particularly trans friendly even now, but yeah, it's even more so then. Yeah, because this is I'm this is the period in which Section 28 is part of British law, which like is a for listeners who might not know or not familiar with that, Section 28 was for was the Thatcherite version of Don't Say Gay. Mm-hmm. in schools um and existed up until i think 2001 Oof. It, it it was yeah not particularly it, it was terrible and so I mean, that's 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 where ash is coming from and i you know there are people who coming out of that era when you're in a hostile environment like that i mean it doesn't really encourage you to explore that i mean even when those things come back, you get older. I mean, it's sometimes easier to just like keep it bottled in, like, you know, or just tuck them away in the corner and well, I'm I I could, you know, Dom could say I'm like, functioning. I am I am an adult. I'm a function like I'm a semi functioning adult. I'm married and I don't really need to explore that and you know, it just lingers. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good I think that's an excellent point to place the, to, to raise the context that Ash is coming out of mm-hmm. there. I think that's something that often gets forgotten is where the, is that context where these people are coming out of. And I, that's a really excellent point that I had kind of forgotten was mm-hmm. the significantly greater stigma of that era. It yeah. wasn't yeah. as easy then as it is today to be open at all, even with yourself, much less in public mm-hmm. with a queer identity, especially one. I mean, it's one thing to be gay. Uh, that was marginally more acceptable uh, in those years, but gender fluidity and trans, these were things that a lot of that vocabulary wasn't even publicly, wasn't even out there in the public consciousness in the nineties and the early two thousands, much less yeah. something that was embraced. Uh, so it's definitely important, I think, to, to make sure that that context is understood uh, because Ash's repression and internalized, not self-loathing, but like, I mean, there is some self-loathing there. Uh, mm-hmm. He is, as you said, he's assigning He's associating all the things he didn't like about himself in in die with his queerness. Yeah. And wrapping that all up in a bundle and just tucking it away. And uh I I I think it's it's important to that that social context is really important to understanding why that's such an easy association for him to make. So like when Ash is like saying like saying all this says i wanted you to find yourself ash you weren't at home in our world i was 16 and could tell it but maybe you could be in a game i made for you i wanted you to find you which and and this this sketch artwork mm-hmm. too um there's the you know in the in the omnibus there's a sketch piece of sketch artwork um for our listeners because this is not a visual medium of ash sitting at a table kind of staring off into space and Saul is sitting behind him, I think on the floor or on a stool or something like that and staring at Ash. Um, And it's a very poignant little piece of artwork. Yeah. I feel like this, I feel like Dai is a fascinating example, a fascinating piece of media in that it is it is new queer media 
in that, you know, modern queer media has much more freedom to generally engage with queerness mm-hmm. um, than, you know, back in the 90s, etc. But it is also engaging with how things were back then yeah. in a way that I think that a lot of people um, forget about that, you know, when you when you look at um or take for granted perhaps yeah like if you look at the critique of like you know you you, you keep seeing these pieces of critique where it's like you know this piece of queer media from the 90s was terrible why weren't people watching shira then <laughs> and it's like because because that was what we had that was what existed that's what mm-hmm. you know no i know exactly what you mean yeah and and you know language changes and like you know he, you know people look back at a lot of the old queer media and be like oh well that doesn't use any of the correct names for anything it's cringe it's terrible it's bad you know bad terrible etc and it's like you you don't understand <laughs> that this was written 35 years ago and 35 yeah. years ago was a very different place i saw and- a commentary that was uh it was on uh, there was a Christmas movie that came out a couple of years ago, uh, a lesbian Christmas movie. Uh, somebody was uh, one of the reviews was something to the effect of, um, "It's nice to see a uh, a queer rom com." I don't understand why all the old ones are so traumatic. And I was like, "You must be twenty two at the outside." Yeah. And sure enough, the the reviewer was like some college somebody fresh off their journalism bachelors writing this movie review because, you know, you look at the history of, of queer filmmaking. A lot of people were making films about their experiences to your point that the, the context the, the of people's lived experiences are informing the media they're making. And, yeah. but also the flip side of that is it informs the way they consume that media too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I and think- I, Sorry, go ahead. And like, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that older stuff. You know, one of one of the examples that always springs to mind for me is since we were talking about the Sandman a little bit last, uh, those last, mm-hmm. no, last earlier, ish. earlier in this issue. Um, or no, yeah, no, earlier in the episode. intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a game of you, which I would one hundred percent not recommend to anybody currently as like, you know queer trans media like you know it's it's in the zone of things that i would not like recommend as representation but if you shift the context and think about a game of you as something that was published in 1993 um it's you know it it was i think you know based off everything i've seen you know considered to be an incredible piece of representation at the time and maybe it looks cringe now but and maybe we won't recommend it now, but I think something that like is is rattling around in my head is is the word representation. Um, is, yeah, is how like okay, it, this is the thing of like that. I think I've I, like I have bridged this point in being like an old bitter queer of uh, <laughs> that like I personally like representation doesn't matter like as it it, does, it isn't a huge thing to me like like i think if like oh hey seeing like seeing queer characters is something i obviously want but i'm much more interested in flawed and like i'm more flaw, i'm more interested in flawed flawed stories with verisimilitude mm-hmm. than i am in 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 seeing in just seeing myself like it's i don't need to connect and and see myself in a queer character but i do want to be i do want to feel like i'm getting something from it i don't like i don't care if captain america is gay yeah if you're but like i'm much more interested in a 40 you know i'm much more interested in a 40 like you know somebody who's 40 coming to terms with their gender identity through, I mean, through a Balrog. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's much more real for me because it is sure it is. I mean, it's a story that 
I feel like that I can resonate with, even if it's not a one to one thing. And it is coming from a place of like raw emotion. If you'll uh, yeah. permit me to try and summarize that, because I think I understand what you're yes. saying. I think what you're saying is the time where the time has passed where a simple token representation had a value. Seeing gay people on screen once was a once meant something, but it doesn't anymore. Now you want to see a lived experience that you can that that you can identify with, not just a gay person or a trans person or something like that. I I think back to like a piece of writing analysis that I don't think is completely perfect, but it it puts fantasy into two types of categories: aspirational fantasy and subversive fantasy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think like I think die is a subversive fantasy, but I think that the like the queer story within die, especially in this issue isn't subversive it feels like it almost feels like healing yeah i totally get that yeah well i mean it very much is Uh, especially ash's journey uh is explicitly one of renewal yeah like literally through like coming to terms becomes gandalf the white yeah 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 gandalf is gandalf's uh journey there is he is disembodied gandalf dies regains his full spirit form and then re re uh reincarnates for all intents and literally reincarnates rebuilds a body is sent back to the world and is reinstantiated into the world in a new form that's why he's so addle-brained because he's like resorting all of his mortal thoughts he's coming to terms again with having a mortal frame of reference to work with. Uh, He's that's a big moment for him Uh, and Ash to associate Ash with that moment of reification is a big, I mean, that's very much, uh, I think a healing moment is, is the least you can call it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and even in that, I, I think what of like this is one of the like somewhere within these like four or five pages is a point where I will cry when reading this. Um, and the only reason I'm not doing it now is because I got that out of the way earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like, even in this moment of like catharsis of apotheosis. Yes. 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 I feel like that's, this is, you know, we've got, we've got subversive, We've got um, we've got subversive, we've got aspirational, and we have the secret third thing, which is cathartic. I like, um, but even in this cathartic moment, Ash's self-loathing is such that even though she is literally canned off in this moment, compares herself to Gollum. Yeah. Well, it is. I think of Gollum dancing on the cusp of Mount Doom, ring in hand, triumphant. When I was a kid, I felt sorry for him. How pathetic! How lost! I don't feel like that anymore. I think Gollum felt free and holy. He saved the world when no one else could. Not a bad ending for an evil creature like him. It wouldn't be bad for one like me either. Which is such I mean That's I hadn't I hadn't considered that juxtaposition, but that is fucking bananas. That yeah. in this moment where she is explicitly doing a Gandalf. Yes. Her internal monologue is comparing herself to uh to to Gollum and literally calling herself evil. Yeah. Dude, what I would let's get your take on Ash's take on Gollum here. I just dodged my soapbox and you're gonna put me back on it. Um <laughs> I worked so hard to not get on my, my soapbox about Gandalf's bullshit um we we're gonna dodge we dodge the gandalf just to kneecap you with Gollum. yeah yeah but see but see you you've you've hidden we've hit upon one of my like things that i will talk about endlessly with uh lord of the rings which is the final sequence of frodo sam and Gollum on the mountain and like that sequence has so much shit so here's the thing uh i actually just 
for uh, Athrobeth, we just had a really fascinating interview uh, with a guy that is publishing a book that talks about uh, the idea of mercy in contrast to like domination for the uh, against the ring, like mercy mm -hmm. being the sort of contrasting mm -hmm. value of the ring, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that centers around Gollum. Mm -hmm. Like, why do you, why is Gollum, forget, why, why does Bilbo stay his blade? Why mm -hmm. does Frodo not kill him? Why does Sam not kill him? Why, why do they treat him with, with kindness when they do? Why do they blah, 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 blah. And there's a very distinct difference between lowercase m mercy and capital M mercy in the book. Both are used. And I personally don't think Gollum is evil. I think Gollum is corrupted. And I think yeah. the difference there is the ring is a corruptive influence. And we have examples of people who are faced with the ring and mm. are forced to ch to make that choice to try and resist it. And we see people like Galadriel and we, and like Gandalf who understand what the ring can do and say, I cannot fight the ring. Don't, don't make me try because I would yeah. do, I would become something evil or I would become something awful with the ring. And I, I have, I, and I would go into it with understanding. Frodo and Bilbo are both forced to carry the ring through circumstance, and they are both affected by it, particularly Frodo, in ways that are smaller. They're not these great, powerful figures, but we see that corruptive influence on them. But to really yeah. weigh that, you need to have someone for whom the corruption won. Mm -hmm. And that's Gollum, that's Smeagol, is he's the one who didn't have the benefit of a of someone saying, uh, who didn't have the benefit of understanding what he was holding and yeah. didn't have the benefit of a Bilbo in his life or the character to, to resist it and was probably not a great guy to begin with, clearly, since he murdered his buddy over it. So I don't think he was evil. But I don't think he was a great guy, but I think his, his yeah. function in the story is not to be evil. It's to be an example of how thoroughly the ring can consume someone. And also, as a corollary, to show how even Gollum can have a function under Eru's mercy. Because mm -hmm. in the end... Frodo gives in. In the end, Frodo can't resist the ring. Yeah. And and arguably arguably also Frodo gives in to the true power of the ring when he tells Gollum to that to cast himself into the fire basically on the on the slopes yeah. of the mountain. He puts the ring and on. Like, and like that's that's you know that's him using the 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 domination power arguably. Yeah. And so he puts the ring on and he's He's given into the ring, but because they have, because of the mercy that's been shown to Gollum throughout the course of the book, Gollum is in that position to affect the catastrophe at the end. So yeah. he's, he's this vehicle from a literary standpoint, he's a demonstration of the, the corruption of the ring. And from a sort of narrative standpoint, uh, he is the... He he's the 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 way that the the knife that you could that the catastrophe uses to to slide past Sauron's defenses ultimately at the end. I want to move on to one more thing. Um, yeah. On um, we get a I first of all um, we so in the lake we see Stephanie Hans doing the doing I I. It is a riff on Gandalf fighting the Balrog as they fall. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's accompanied with uh, with another set of fantastic narration. You know, the whole 
lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. They went in there, had adventures, became kings and queens, became monsters. We did that. I did that more than most. You know the thing about wardrobes? Wardrobe is just another name for closet. (laughs) You think about it, all of Narnia is in the closet. And eventually you have to come out. The place brings everything to the surface to be examined. That's what it tries to do. You learn from it, you choose what to leave behind, and then you choose what to take. You don't get to tell me who I am. Whatever it is, I decide. And that and the whatever it is I decide is the exact moment we see Ash's reborn form as in the white garment. Yeah. Yeah. And Saul in like the next panel is fucking Yeah. He's got a yeah. flabbergasted look on on his face. Yeah. Just like it it, it is it's so good. Oh. It's like you Stephanie Hawes and Karen Gill, you are not beating the shipping allegations. <laughs> um, and and the first thing that Ash does after emerging from the lake is to break Saul's chains and embrace him. Yeah. Which yeah, it, it is that's I not, just also want to point out uh that frame after they embrace, you see them standing there. Uh, Ash is in white and Saul is in black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, gosh. Um. And then I, I also wanted to call out another little detail, which is um, right before we see the fair, um, we see the 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 bicycle ruined the ruined uh, time machine bicycle. Yeah. Yep. It's always one of those things, like, I forget this panel exists. I'm like, where did H.G. Wells fuck off to? Oh, right, he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, like, I think we could spend forever talking about this issue, but I want to move on to the finale here. Yeah. Really fast, oh, yes. I want to call out just one, li- one um, line that just stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as the as the fair is um, dying, going offline, etc. Um, Ash's narration says, "A noise like the clattering of bo- bones." Guess what people used before dice, bitches. <laughs> I mean, the the first dice were made of bones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it holding? What or what? In that last, in that like epic frame where it, when. When the, the Grand Master enters when, and asks, what am I for? It's got the dice orbiting it, and it's holding a body. Um, is, is that one of the fallen? I think, okay. Um, I thought one that of the was somebody carrying... I think it's one of the masters. I think, okay, so, yeah. if I had to guess... No, it's a it's a fair. Okay, it's another fair. It's got the wings on the back. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like, I was going to say, like, maybe it's the pro- one of the Prussians. Like it's the front yeah, father's son, also, but there's the wings. There's also a musket there. Yeah. What a page. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's let's go on to the next one. Yeah. Issue 20. Open table. This is from Steve Jackson, the co-founder of Games Workshop, speaking to the BBC in 1980. Reading a novel is something like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's still only a book. It's only a piece of paper in front of you. This is a lot more realistic. You can actually die. You personally can actually die in this game. <laughs> squints um in 1991 we see Saul on his birthday he receives a mystery package the dice in 2020 at the center of die the world asks again what am i for they do not know and Isabel requests more information so they can actually try to answer however die tells them the only the master can receive knowledge of die but as a fallen, he is no longer a player. Chuck, in seemingly a fit of anger, attacks Di, and Ash uses the voice to hold him back. Chuck apologizes to Matt for being an awful friend and for not being a better person. He says he's sorry for all of it, as Saul kills him and lives again. Saul then turns on uh, a newly alive Saul uh, in one of my favorite lines, sa- tells Di, 
But now you, you bastard planet, will explain the fucking backstory. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It explains that it came to consciousness 600 seconds earlier when the dice reached it. It is a construct that feeds upon the world, which uses the game as a method used to bridge worlds. The game needed mechanics, means, and material. The mechanics were given by a Prussian father and his son, inspired by dreams and carved soldiers arriving at the son's bedside. He sold the soldiers in England, which were bought by a priest who gave them to his four children. The Brontes provided the means. In time, the materials came from a man who will witness the horrors of war and write about it, Tolkien. Combining the mechanics of war games, the means of conversation, and the genre of Tolkien, it had what it needed. Isabel, rightfully, thinks this is fucking insane. Um, (laughs) Sol explained that die is not evil, it is just amoral. It cannot be evil. Die explains that this is the end of a loop. It is told what it is for, and the master closes the loop. If they refuse... They will just not be the first six who came to die, but another fantasy. Matt tells Angela that out of all the worlds, maybe Molly comes out alive in theirs, and she'll need Angela to be there for her. Angela apologizes to the fallen Molly, and Saul turns on die. It still needs to know what it is for. Ash answers. I'm just going to read the full quote because it's actually just like it is. I summarized it, but the full quote's better. She tells die. You were adventurer and glamour when life was dull. You were a place to explore the worst part of ourselves and the best. You were a place where some of us hid from real life for a lifetime. You were a place to learn lessons in their costs. You let Matt find power in what was nearly killing him. You gave Sol a drive and me a place to find my place. You let Angelo play at being grown up. You let Izzy take responsibility and Chuck decide he never wanted to. You are for sunset over Angria fog over the front, for memories of times we were brave and scared and everything else. You for you are for all of that, and we've had enough. The world replies with something I've said many times to a gaming group. Thank you for playing. It disappears, leaving the dice. Sol takes the dice and sends them to 1991, and then they decide that none of them want to die for Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't blame them i just that's the funniest part of this is just yep we have taken stock of the situation we have done the mental calculus and he was already dying yep angela apologizes again to molly and tells her to be good to the dog the game is over and they go home once they're gone, Chuck reanimates because now he's a fallen. Uh, Molly tells Chuck the dog needs to feed for him to continue being there, so Chuck stabs himself for a case to eat his fair gold before coming back. You should fucking kill yourself for your dog. This that is Chuck did the one good thing in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it bad that I like him better as a fallen? No, it is no, funny. absolutely not. It is appropriate that Chuck is more likable undead than he is alive. Because his first act as an undead is to kill himself again so that the dog can live. Yeah. If he does that, if he kills himself once a day to keep the dog alive, that will redeem him. Yes. Yeah. It's it's like the it's like the, the eagle eating his liver, right? Mm-hmm. And also the immediately immediately the elf queen pops up and he asks, What is your name? Which is also like Im- immense personal growth. Yeah, uh, well, sorry. She, she, sorry. she says, I have tasks well suited for one of your nature. You will still diminish, but there is still time. Hate to break it to you, Queenie, but I kind of came free diminished. But sure, I'll do it for a reward. Yes. What is your name? <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, that's very funny. Um, in 2020, back in England, the group comes back. Soul is blind and all their phones are dead. They eventually... Uh, find a gas station and get some masks because a fucking pandemic is happening. And Matt rushes to call his family thinking, Oh shit, there's a global pandemic. My dad, this must be Mm -hmm. as it turns out depression and the mortar 
are fucking liars. Um, his dad comes to pick them up, still alive. Angela comes home to find her daughters, and she immediately tries to, like, support Bali. Um, Isabel's house has been repossessed in the two years she has been gone, and as she is staying in a hotel, Dom calls her to check in. They bring Sol home, and he's finally reunited with his mother. Ash comes home, and he says to Sophie that he has a lot to tell her. She leads, her, uh, she leads him upstairs, telling him, Me too. And we see a crib. Ash muses on Die that it's not something to be defeated, but it's something to be changed by. He says that when it's asked what it's for, you be honest. Die will show you what you need. And of course, we see the last page with one of uh, Saul's eyes gleaming with the, the, the echo of a D20. It's all for you. And that is Die. Yeah. It's such a good ending. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense that it's 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 also like a wildly unsatisfying ending, but in like the best way. <laughs> yeah. Because you want more. You want all of them except for Chuck to have a happier ending. You want to know what happens to all of them. You want more, but you don't but it's also but that's what makes it a good ending is that it's you're left satisfied, but unsatisfied by the ending. Yeah. This is, it's like, it's an ending where I want to know more, but I don't think I, w- but it's like, I am happy. There is not more. Because yeah. Cause you don't want them to go back. Like you don't want them to be back and yeah. die. Like this is the ending they deserve, but you love, you've come to love these characters. Exactly. I don't think I realized that they had spent two years in die. Yeah, um, it, it, it sort of passes and like we jump from like it, when they meet Lovecraft, it is still 1919 or tw- 2019. And when they are when they reach die, it is 2020. So either like the new like obviously the new year didn't happen because like months happen in the space of a couple issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or time just acted weirdly. Yeah, but they. Did they leave in 19 in 2019? They left in 2018. Yeah. Because it was 25 years after they came back. Yeah. Overall, like the ending of this where the, the, the final boss is not, we have to kill this thing. It's, we have to answer, what did we get out of this adventure? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, the final boss is the like check-in at the end of the story of yeah. like, how'd it go? How are we feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which sort of correlates with the, um, the 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 title of the issue, Open Table. Um, yeah. Open, for uh, Open Table policy is a sort of like it, it's it's a policy of that you like even if you're playing, somebody can get up and leave, and like you know you're you're like you're allowed to ask, hey, is everything all right? And it's like yeah, but there's no like judgment for like oh hey, I have to get up and leave. Mm-hmm. Where like, like something you can say is like, "Hey, this is getting a little heavy for me. I'm going to step out for a minute." You know, it is always having the open door mm-hmm. and being able to have that exit. I think that's uh, one thing that is. I wouldn't go so far as to say I was surprised by it, but I think I was, mm-hmm. in a way, was that yeah. uh, Gillen was so deeply versed in modern games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you would expect, and it's not as though I'm surprised that somebody who writes X Men comics is also <laughs> like a tabletop a RPG, RPG guy. But you don't, I don't know. You just never, I don't know. You just it, you don't take it for granted that people will know more than in tabletop RPGs. You you just never take it for granted that people will know more than D anD D. So if I told you that Kieran Gillen had written a PBTA supplement. Could you guess which game it was for? I mean, I would assume Masks. Surprisingly not. Though I think there are at least three characters that are cited, that he specifically wrote that are cited in playbooks. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I mean, Masks is just Young Avengers. Well, like, yeah. I mean, the, every with, single 
every single move of the Bulls is a lie that is named after a lie that Karen wrote in Young Avengers. Um, yeah. I think, if I remember correctly. But um, no, he wrote a Monster Hearts playset. Incredible. Yeah. See, and that's, yeah. that makes, that totally tracks that mm-hmm. this is someone who is a part of the modern, like, conversation. Indie, t- yeah tabletop RPG conversation because he is so clearly in like in conversation as they say with mm-hmm. modern tabletop RPGs what they're for how they can be used and the terminology and the ideas that power those games are so fundamental are woven into die in a way that if somebody had said hey I've got an idea a bunch of D&D gamers fall into a game of D&D they wouldn't have that fundamentally is like yeah. that could have been the pitch for for die I mean, the original, but it wouldn't like, have been original, die the original idea for this came from like on like a, a trip to san diego comic con during a car ride mentioning the dungeons and dragons cartoon yeah and that's that's what i mean <laughs> yeah. like the yeah. that pitch from a from someone with a different relationship to rpgs could have gone a yeah. real different way yeah it's why I it's why portal fantasy is in fact a genre I usually bounce out of. Yeah. I feel like it's it's the way that I I'm kind of thinking about it is that it's it's talking about classic RPGs with the language of modern RPGs. Yeah. Yeah. It's using it's using like what it looks like is Call of Cthulhu and Dungeons and Dragons um and Vampire the Masquerade. Um, but conceptually it's, it's drawing on the narrative is drawing on the modern gaming Mm -hmm. concepts. Something that I like in the ending is, um, we get to see where Saul is like, apparently like settled out to, or, uh, like that he, he's apparently staying in a, what looks like maybe a place for the blind, uh, or mm-hmm. for helping blind people. And like, he already has, um, there, there's a braille, like a braille computer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, my, I had a creative writing teacher in college who was blind and I, I like, I was like, Oh wait, I recognize that sort of like computer, which. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah, no, I, I and, like, I, I'm like, it's 2023. Whereas like soul has put, has probably put some, banger rpg uh up on kickstarter <laughs> yeah and he's gonna have to fund his, his, his therapy yeah and with the and with the trend toward um having uh uh audiobook versions of game manuals too yeah, yeah. that would work out very well for him this is this is the issue that finally that that finally brought tears to me mm-hmm with the there's the the panel um with Matt as he's as he's on the phone um there's a line if your mom dies early you spend your life knowing your dad can too you know there's a sword hanging over everyone you've ever loved and that that is a mood right there yeah mm-hmm. like the gut wrenching of like the first two panels on that page yeah and then and you're always waiting. It's there and it's hard to let go of it. Then yeah. at the bottom of the page, but simultaneously depression is a liar and you get to, and you see Matt's dad come out of the, the, the van and it's yeah. just oh, the, yeah. the relief. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. It's, I wonder what they'll do. I mean, it's a question that doesn't need answering. Yeah. But I um, wonder what they'll do now, what they'll say, because they they've the disappeared for time. two years yeah. and they don't have the gaze on them. Yeah. So they can yeah. talk about it now. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of unanswered questions about this, like what what they'll do next and what happens to die. Like yeah. we've moved beyond the the spaghetti loop of die now. Mm-hmm. So what happens now? Is it just they're sitting in the background, periodically sucking up player groups, or does it? just exist so. as a cons or or is it Maybe. done was that the whole was its whole existence that moment in time and yeah and from there does it then just feed can it can it then, can it then just 
get all the energy it needs now that it's got now that it's had its you know primary its first blood meal with these six um Mm -hmm. and all the masters um you know is it then sated with just seeing all of the gaming groups with the orbs or whatever this is this is the point where i was like oh hey i want to delve into the rpg because it's like i'm curious how if if it like i'm because I, th- I I I haven't read too much of the RPG, but I assume there are two there are two answers the RPG takes of like you know that every that the comic existed and that everything else is like one of those other player groups that comes to die, mm-hmm. or that every player group in the die RPG is the group. Interesting. I'll have to look. Like I, I yeah like yeah you know who knows I'll, I'll have to read it tonight. And you know, as, as traumatic as traumatic as it was, also like the world of Die did construct a entire full fledged narrative for them with twists and turns, oh, yeah. and like you know, a satisfying conclusion that involved sacrifice and character development, and like you know, it's a whole ass story. Can I can I can I pose my head cannons for post series? Yeah. Yes. I'm super so, into that. So I, I mean, this is primarily the like relationshiping. I, I choose to, like because I, I've joked that uh, I believe that all characters are proven are, are poly until proven monogamous. Um, I, I, I'm, I am shipping Matt and Angela. Yep. Because I think that they they have similarly linked traumas, and I like to put those sort of people together. Mm-hmm. And I think, and they and they have hella chemistry throughout the yeah you know, in a lot of different points like in they the, butt uh, heads story. but they also like they understand each other on a level that I think is like yeah no. Matt and Angela or Matt and Izzy Matt and Angela Matt and Angela okay because you said Matt and Izzy earlier somewhere and that and I was confused by that or I meant Matt and Angela if I if I said the wrong name I okay. Uh, no, I think I think the easy related polycule is uh, Dom slash Ash, and obviously his wife Sophie. I think that they are. I think that you know, Sophie seems rather cool, like rather delighted. In fact, that I, I feel like even in like what little we see of it, Ash feels like a different person when mm-hmm. upon returning. Yeah, and like, and I think that like if I go uh, Sophie. Ash, uh, Saul, and Izzy. I don't know what that, I don't know what shape that takes, but I I'm like, you know, mix and match how you will. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because I think that, the, I, I do not think that there is a world in which, a, a, you know, Saul and Ash do not do something. Yeah. It might turn out badly, but, the, you know, they, I feel like it has to try. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about Matt and Angela, but I definitely, or or even Izzy, personally, but I I certainly think that Saul is going to be a part of Dom slash Ash's life going forward. Yeah, um, I think it depends on exactly how, exactly how Saul, exactly what Saul's place is in that family. I think largely depends mm-hmm. on how Dom ends up resolving what what exactly is the real world version of white gandalf ash yeah because we never really get to see what the real world real real world version of of that is um mm-hmm. but i'm interested i that would certainly be it's one of those things that's like it's not we're it's not something that you would put in the comic because it's it's yeah but uh, I, I, I do, I do wish we knew. Yeah. Um, or it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those things of like, oh, hey, it is best. It's there for your imagination to stew on. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I do love, I do, I, you know, the happy ending of Ash getting to be a parent is. Yes. Like, and getting yeah. to be there for, for their kid is just. Yeah. And and the pan, the panel of them, to the two of them. Um, you know, looking into the into the nursery and Sophie saying, Me too. That's such a good panel. That that whole page is just incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, like the the line the 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 line that precedes that scene. Role playing games are conversations in quotation marks, letting you talk about true things with a little distance as a fantasy. But all, for all of that, there's still a conversation, and you should listen to what you are telling the game, what the game is telling you. You can learn a lot. I did. And when the conversation with the uh, game ends, you can take what you learn out of it. Yeah. Um, and I also appreciate that they're like, I'd say life returned to normal, but there is no normal here. Um, yeah. Cause like, this is deeply fucked up. But I think like, I like in my happy ending, I like quote unquote happy ending. I think that it's like, I don't think that like all of them necessarily are like super tight knit bonded anymore, but I think that they still are close and it's like, they're much closer than they were before. Yeah. 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 You get the impression that they largely avoided each other for the 25 years after the last time they came back. Yeah. Cause like, you know, ultimately when they came back the first time they were still shitty tr- teens and traumatized by having to leave Saul behind or Saul being left behind yeah. accidentally. How long were they in the first time? Two years. So two years, both times. <laughs> yeah. All right. Approximately. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, Thoughts of the series? Uh, it was in all dimensions better than I, in spite of how much you hyped it up, I, better like, than like, I was like, expecting li- it. Listeners, I need you to know that I would not shut up about this series. Like, I, the, the amount <laughs> that I would not shut up about it. Yeah. And it, I it had been going on for a while. Even before we considered covering this, you have been talking about Die for a, yeah. a while. I, mean, I, I probably yeah. like like I think I I think I originally pitched it at, like when the series ended two years ago as something we did post discography. Yeah. So the the expectation was was high, uh, but it was like I said in in all dimensions, art, writing, you know, the story, the background, all of it better than I was expecting. So, Anna, how about you? It was it was real good. Um, you know, I th- I think I said a lot of my opinions in the, yeah. right before we got start. into all yeah. this, but you know, it's um it was nice getting back into the medium. You know the uh, the artwork on this is just spectacular. Honestly, yeah, inspiring. Agreed. Just shouting vindication. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean seriously, I I've. I really enjoyed doing this series because like, again, this is, I've said it, but this is my, this is my favorite comic series of the last decade. And it it, like, I mean, you know, there's, I have a lot of emotions tied up in it because it's very personal to me, but like, it's also, it is a thing that is very well written about a medium of art that I truly love. Um, and I'm very happy to have shared it with you, uh, with both of you and talking about it. Yeah. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that we finally did it. Perfect. We have one thing to thank the actors guild strike for. I mean, beyond them making their lives better. (laughs) Yes. And you know, Hey, WWJ has, you know, gotten everything they wanted. Now it's, you know, now it's time for SAG after fingers crossed. Yep. Okay. I don't know when we are like what the spacing on this is going to be, but if it hasn't come out, I, I'm going to assume that this that it will come out before uh, we get to this because of timing and everything. But if you have not, we are going to be on a Zoom call with Karen Gillen and we will be asking questions about him and picking his brains about this. Um, that's probably already come out and you probably already listened to us being complete monsters to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we're doing next, really. Uh, we've talked about a couple things, but there's nothing like super there. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Podspace Nine has come out. Maybe, but we are doing something else. But we will figure out what that is, and it'll come out eventually. But until next time, just remember, it's all for us. <laughs> The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. 
Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.